ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. hour of the great scott show coming to you from the espn lafayette studio sponsored by bed rivers every day at bed river sportsbook louisiana daily line specials boosted odds parlays of the day and more it's tuesday and i am joined by my friend my old cohort you guys know him the legend voice of the raging cajuns the opinionated diverse Birdman, odb mr jay walker it took you long enough to get that out. I mean, you, you're, you're worth it, Jay. Oh, jeez. I could go on longer. I could be the hype man. I, mean, I, I might need Tight a hype man. at I might, six foot one. I, I might need a, a hype man. And I appreciate you making me an inch taller than I really am. Hey, I'm a hype man. Mm-hmm. 180 pounds. Yeah. And then he put his right leg on the scale. <sighs> How you doing, man? Good. I know you were in Troy over the weekend, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it. How much of the tournament were you able to follow? Uh, well, you know, first of all, Thursday, on the way over there, being able to listen to every game on the radio was very cool. And getting to hear, like, the home call of these games, huh? Uh, no, there, there was Westwood 1. It was one. all Westwood 1, yeah. okay. Um, but that was great, you know, getting to, to hear that, and then... Thursday night, watched the games that were on. Because we got there about, I don't know, 8.30. And then um, Friday, we watched until it was time to go to the ballpark. And they they had it on, of course. But, you know, we just check scores every once in a while. Um, And then after the game, uh, got to watch some and... You know, the same thing Saturday, Sunday on the way home, listen to one game. And the last game goes overtime and it ends, we're like on Ambassador Caffrey. So you heard a lot of the action. I heard a lot of the action, yes. Do you find yourself as somebody that's been in this business as long as you have, like whether even you mean to or not, just judging the play by play? The only judging I did was. On the way over there, and it might have been the first game that we listened to, and I'm not remembering which game it is. I'd have to go back and look. But there was a there was a call that went against the lower seeded team, and it was like the, the the other team was awarded three free throws, and this is in the final minute of the game, and. The analyst for the rest of the game 
every time he opened his mouth, talked about the officials deciding the game. And, you know, there was, okay, we understood you the first time. Okay, do you have to keep berating? And he said it in different ways, and he said it tactfully. And finally, I looked at the radio and said, will you shut up? And this wasn't a homer call. This was just a Correct. Westwood one guy. Okay. Correct. Um, well, it must have been a bad call. Well, supposedly, it was a flop. You know, they, 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 they looked at it on replay and said, no, that wasn't a foul. That was a flop. And, uh, but the call went the way of the, uh, of the higher-seeded team. Uh, might have been Providence. Gotcha. Might have been Providence. Yeah, that's who it was. So here we are. You got one. I know you've got a number of double-digit seeds that are still in there. Yeah. Um, two of them will play each other in Miami and Iowa State, and then you have Michigan. But all of those teams have history. I know Miami doesn't have a rich basketball history, but they've been in Sweet 16s before. Sure. You know, uh, obviously Michigan's been in national championships, and Iowa State's been to Elite Eight. So they've there, – there's only – one real Cinderella that's left, and that's St. Peter's. Sure. This team was like two and five to start the year in the Metro Athletic Atlantic Athletic Conference. Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the NAAC. I I was saying like yesterday, I'm like, anybody listening, do you even know what conference St. Peter's plays in? It's like, if you do, good for you. Most of you probably have no idea. Like, my point I was making is, even Cinderella's, not all Cinderella's are created equal. No. Some are much bigger, and, and I'm talking about true mid-major Cinderella's, not double-digit seeds. St. Peter's isn't a Cinderella from the MAC or the Missouri Valley or, or wherever. They are a Cinderella from the MAAC that nobody saw getting out of the first game against Kentucky. That team in Jersey City to be in the Sweet 16, and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think they're going to beat Purdue. I'll be rooting for them. But they're, they're one of the bigger Cinderella's to me to get to the Sweet 16 in terms of just how big of a Cinderella they are in a while. A couple of things about St. Peter's. Um, first of all, they had and still have a bad baseball team because – you know, you were you were behind the microphone. Lazy almost Lashen had the no almost hitter. had the no hitter. Um, Worst RPI in the country that year, St. Peter's. You you mentioned they're from Jersey City, and they are the first team from New Jersey to reach the Sweet Sixteen since uh, Seton Hall did it. Yeah, uh, and their point guard, Seton Hall's point guard, was a guy named Shaheen Holloway, who happens to be the coach at St. Peter's now. I like that guy. The other thing that folks need to remember is because, you know, everybody's, oh, St. Peter's. Well, why can't we be St. Peter's? Why can't we be friends? Um, St. Peter's did not win the league. Iona, Iona coached by Rick Pitino, great, won the great, league. Great clean coach. Clean and they history, got and they got upset in the quarterfinals, I think. And so St. Peter's won the tournament, and that's how that's how they got in. But they weren't even a regular season champion in that league. Iona was. Why can't we be St. Peter's? St. Peter's is like Florida. Now, Florida Gulf Coast was a different style of team, and they were just dunking left and right and all over. But, like, 
those don't happen often. And there are how many teams in Division One college hoops? 350. It's like, why can't we be that one in 225 Like that comes around every few years? Again, this isn't just a... This isn't like when when Western Kentucky years ago was really good and and you know wanted to in the tournament or when well, Georgia State uh, several years ago. This is like there is a gap there, I, and I'm not saying this to dog St. Peter's. This I'm saying this to praise them. But a lot of why can't we? It just doesn't happen that often. You can't mimic when it does, and that's part no, of what makes it. March Madness great. It's the unpredictable well, look, they've reality caught, of it. They've all. caught lightning in a bottle. That's it. Okay, that's and it. and. And no fan should look at that and say, "Hey, we can do this." It's lightning in a bottle. It just uh, it just happens. It's it, you know they call it one shining moment. Well, they're having theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a Western Kentucky uh, that you've mentioned that went to the Sweet Sixteen a couple of times with good pro. It's not it's not the team that St. Peter's beat Murray State, who's I mean not their first rodeo getting out of the first round. Um, yeah, there's not a John ja Moran on St. Peter's. No, <laughs> and, and, and you know, it may be never before we see St. Peter's back in the NCAA tournament. It may be never. Never. Maybe next year. I mean, who knows? Did Florida Gulf Coast ever get back? Maybe they, they might have got back once as a 16, I, I think. Yeah, I think they got back one time. Yeah. One time. And it was kind of like, oh, remember their coach who ended but, up going to USC and isn't there anymore and all that? But, but, but Florida Gulf Coast was a conference champion regular season and tournament. I mean, they were they were a good basketball team going in. The whole season. Right? And everybody knew that they were a good basketball team going in. Um, you know, St. Peter's has kind of come out of nowhere. And it, it is one of the things that makes March Madness great. But, you know, if you look at the 16 teams that are left, yes, some of them are double-digit seeds. I think, honest to goodness... There is one other great story in this tournament, and that's Iowa State. Two and twenty-two last year. Iowa State won two games last year. Cool. How are they in the Sweet Sixteen, man? And you know their 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 coach was dismissed. They hired a former assistant who had gotten the job at UNLV, and they've had an amazing turnaround. They're in the Sweet Sixteen after winning two games last year, and they're playing a double-digit seed. Yeah. Miami. Yeah. Who sh- Miami slaughtered Auburn. That wasn't even like a close game. They just in they the, dominated. In the first five minutes of that game, everybody who was watching it and paying attention realized that Miami was so much quicker than Auburn was. So much quicker. Speed. The athleticism on that Miami team. And Auburn proved to be a step slow or two steps slow the entire game. But that was evident in the first five minutes. How about that SEC, huh? Arkansas, the must bust. That's all you got left. Not just that. I mean, look, the Big Ten didn't look great, although Michigan's a nice story and Purdue is, they might go to the Final Four. But as a whole, they were disappointed. Like, the ACC to me is the biggest winner here. Oh, sure. They went into the tournament. They basically, they put, they, they dropped it on the table and said, "How you like it?" Because we're we're the best conference in college basketball, and I think this tournament has only further proven that. I um, I agree. You know, they 
all year long, it was like, okay, there's Duke and everybody else in that league, and the everybody else are all going to be low seeds. And yet, you know, they've already knocked out a number one, and um, and Duke is taking care of their business. Notre Dame almost got there. Almost, yeah. Um, but, like, to have North Carolina in there, to have Miami in there, and to have some other, you know, teams have good showings but not quite, you know, get through it, I, I, I could have I, – I was – Less surprised that Michigan beat Tennessee than I was Colorado State. It was Rick Barnes. I'm not going to trust Rick Barnes. In the, I mean, come on. Never trust no. Rick Barnes in March. No. Once, once, once they got to the second round and they were playing Tennessee, I'm like, John Howard's about to go to the Sweet 16. Talk about a nice turnaround from him. Everybody, oh, he's no one in the conference likes him. He should be fired. He should be this. Then he has this moment embracing the player for Tennessee, who he's known for his whole life, and guys crying, and they're in the Sweet 16, and... Yeah, man, March can March can change a lot of narratives too, you know. Absolutely can, and you know the the crazy thing about the SEC is you had two number twos, a number three, a number four, and two and two number sixes. I mean, every SEC team that lost was beaten by a lower seeded team. Mm-hmm. You know, starting with St. Peter's beating Kentucky. Um, you know, Iowa State, two wins last year, you know, sent the ghost of Will Wade out. And it was, um, and I remember going into the tournament, so many people were saying, how many SEC teams do you think will get to the final four this year? Well, I thought Kentucky wouldn't. They lost in the first yeah, round. Yeah, Kentucky was, I, and look, Arkansas, I, I, I think Coach Musselman, I, I like their coach. I think Arkansas is good, but. Okay, they've got uh, a four-point win over a 13 seed, a five-point win over a 12 seed. And now they got Gonzaga. They're playing Gonzaga. Like, I am not expecting them to beat Gonzaga. Nope. Bulldogs. Um, I'll say this. You know, Houston, to beat Illinois the way they did, even though that tech call was horrendous uh, on the dunk by Illinois, but to win by 15, like last year, I know Houston was in the Final Four, Jay, but so much of it was, well, Every team they beat to get there was a double-digit seed. And then they got in the Final Four, and they got they got trounced. So for a team going to the Final Four and coming back to the tournament this year, they're about as least respected a team as, as I'd seen. Now they're playing Arizona, and I get it's a proven thing, but I feel like no one is really taking Houston serious, even though they've won a whole lot of games the last two seasons. I thought Houston was overseeded. You know, because even though their net ranking was high, you know, if you look how it all came about, it was like, you know, what's special about Houston? Um, and I was wrong. But that's kind of whatever. That's what we all say. Like, what's special about them? Well, and and because I had them going out in the first round, I had UAB upsetting. I mean, UAB getting the Sweet Sixteen. Um, I I just you know Houston was a was a surprise to me. Uh, they won their first round game, and I said, "Well, they'll lose in the second round." Well, they didn't lose in the second round either. But now they got Arizona. Boy, who, who, boy, they talk about slipping by TCU, man. You know, I, I forget who it is that said it. It was a uh, um, some pundit, okay, years ago that says, "If you're going to win the national championship, chances are you're going to win a game that maybe you should have lost." Mm-hmm. And I think for Arizona, that game was against TCU. I'm not going to be surprised if Arizona rolls into the Final Four now. Not going to be surprised at all. 
My pick for the championship was Gonzaga, Arizona. You know, student, pupil, going for it all. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, the best team in this great state is playing for a national championship tonight. Yes, they are. Now. Yes, they are. For the first time in 77 years, Loyola University of New Orleans, the Wolfpack, NAI National Championship. You know, when I was is at Loyola. Is on television? Is there a way you see that? It should, should be. It's on ESPN3, so you can stream it. Okay. It should. They should at least put it on the deuce, man. It's the, it's the natty. But it is it is uh, available to stream tonight. And um, when I was there, you know, they didn't they didn't have athletic scholarships. And then toward the tail end, there was a interim dean that was like, "We should start having a, a few." Boy, some of the professors flipped out. Like, no, 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 this is really bad. This will be bad for the school. So it started out, they only had like maybe three, three for men's sports, three for women's sports. I mean, total for like every sport. And eventually, it got to what it is now and. School's doing great. They're getting some pub. They're on the national stage. Athletic scholarships aren't a bad thing, guys. No. Not at all. And it's really cool to see them. And there's a lot of Loyola alums that are in, you know, media, and we're all having fun with it. So best of luck to them tonight in Kansas City, and uh, I hope they I hope they get to uh, to cut down the nets. This is a something I thought about with my friend Jarrett last week. And I was like, this is a discussion I need to, to have with Jay. Because it's just a random sort of radio discussion. We use the term blue bloods a lot in mm-hmm. college sports. Mm-hmm. In college basketball, what is your def... I'm going somewhere with this, but what, what is your definition of a blue blood? Like, what requires them to be a blue blood? I think you have to have tremendous tradition. I think you have to have years and years and years of being one of the elite teams. You know, I, when I when I look at blue bloods, um, I think of Carolina and Kentucky and Duke and Kansas. Those are the ones that come to mind. UCLA, first. maybe. Uh, formerly, well, yeah. Let's let's say there's two tiers, right? I think you just named the first tier. I yeah. think that's it. I think the four you named. Second tier, I might. I, I think you've got to. First of all, basketball has to be the primary sport at your school. It can't be, oh, well, football's first or another sport. Basketball's got to be it. And I think you need to have multiple national championships, like NCAA tournament championships. Yeah, but, you know, are we going to exclude Gonzaga as a blue blood because they've never won at all? I mean, you know, because they're right there every year now. But, like, how long does it take to become a blue blood? Well, I, you know, I... I think that if you sustain it, I mean, you don't have to go back 50 years here, I don't think. You know, because when I start talking about the next tier of Blue Bloods, I'm going to talk about Gonzaga. I'm okay. going to talk about Villanova. Arizona. Um, yeah, Arizona. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. Every school you just named has what kind of color? Blue. The Blue Bloods in college basketball all wear blue. Oh, well, Syracuse. Syracuse has won one NCAA tournament. I mean, they're, they're a basketball school. I wouldn't put them in the Blue Blood category. The one that, that I kind of thought about of Michigan State, maybe, because it is the top one. There is a lot of history. You do have Izzo. But they're a tier below all the ones we already mentioned. When you think of the top seven, eight Blue Bloods, we'll throw UCLA in the second tier you just mentioned. So that's eight right there. They all have blue. 
in college basketball to be a blue blood, you one wear of blue. the requirements is blue needs to be in your color scheme. Because they UConn, UConn is a blue blood. What do they have? They're blue. Mm-hmm. Give me, give me a true, a tried and true basketball blue blood that does not have blue in their scheme. The closest I could think was Michigan State, and I and there's there look there could be one I'm missing. Can, I mean, the obvious Kentuckys, UNCs, Dukes. You mentioned all of them, Kansas, right? That's just that's blue. Second tier as well. In in hoops, blue bloods wear what blue. I was like, I got to have this this combo with Jay because he might think of something I'm not thinking of because I know how much he loved college hoops. Yeah, no, I'm not. There's some good schools that have won national championships, like Florida, but even though they wear blue, football is the primary sport at their school. They've had, they've had a lot of success in basketball. They've won multiple national championships. But, like, you don't think of Florida basketball the way you do Kentucky basketball. You just don't. You're right. Schools like Georgia Tech or, you know, Syracuse, even the Syracuse basketball-wise is a notch above you. But I'm just thinking of schools where basketball is like the top thing at that school. And they're good, and they don't have blue in their color, but they're also not a true blue blood either. You know, and if you go to schools that we considered blue bloods that maybe we don't consider them anymore, Georgetown wears blue too. Yeah, a dark shade of blue. You're right. Uh You're right. Blue bloods back in the in the in the eighties and nineties as well. The all right, here is here is the other one. I, I I forgot this one. Probably the if if Michigan State isn't the closest thing to it, I think the one where it didn't quite hold up was Indiana. Because Indiana, they were the one we thought of where like, okay, we found one. Because there is no blue in that scheme. I mean, it's the Hoosiers for crying out loud. Yeah. And 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 I'm now that you have mentioned them, I am going to say I still put them in a blue blood category and I put them on the top tier. They're the one exception. Yep. They're the one exception. Other than that, it's a whole lot of blue in the blue. A whole blues. lot of blue. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Phone lines are open 337-269-1077. Oh, look, I just went to check the email. Jay emailed Indiana question mark. So he was he was thinking the same thing too. Um Matt McMahon hired as you mentioned Murray State a little while ago. Hired as LSU's next head basketball coach. Um, don't know a ton about him. Jay won a lot of games at Murray State. Had a lot of success. Has a nice looking family. Appears to be a good dude, which I think is important for your next hire as head coach. There, the question isn't whether he's good. The question is what are the what is he going to be working against? Um, what I said about it was. Clearly, they they were already eyeing this guy long before this process started because they probably had an idea of when they were going to get the NOA. They probably had an idea that as soon as they did, they were going to get rid of Will Wade. And they probably had an idea that this was a guy they probably wanted before this process took place. Um, quick thoughts on him, and then we'll, we'll move on to something else. Well, you know, Murray State, first of all, um, on July 1st of this year is changing conferences. They're going from the OVC to the Missouri Valley. Um, a nice the, step up basketball-wise. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at, at Murray State, okay, let's, let's start. Um, okay. 
1991 to 95, Scott Edgar was their head coach. He went on to coach at another school, but didn't, you know, didn't really get it. Now, Mark Godfrey went on to coach at Alabama and and also coached uh, Maryland. Uh, so he had great success. Tavester Anderson did not have great success. Mick Cronin did. He's at UCLA now. Billy Kennedy did for a while, but he had he had some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Steve Prohm is the guy who won two games at Iowa State that just got fired. And now Matt McMahon. So you've had a lot of coaches at Murray State that have gone on to coach at bigger schools. Not all of them have been successful. I believed from the very beginning that LSU was going to have to go the mid-major route here. Because, you know, although Scott Woodward likes to, you know, likes the big splash hires, and he's made three of them in football, women's, women's basketball, and baseball, um, no, no blue blood coach was coming to LSU because they're about to get hammered. So they were going to have to hire a coach, pay him well, give him a long contract and understand that this guy is coming in and he knows that they're going to get punished and it's going to take some time. And yet they're willing to go ahead and go through that. Uh, If you were going to go the mid-major route, you've got a, a school that's got a great history of having coaches that have moved up and, and yeah. to, to bigger schools. So, you know, I know that they also were looking at the guy at San Francisco before Florida hired him. I don't think LSU could do any better than what they've but done. But, like, how many times, other than Trent Johnson, and that didn't work out, it just wasn't a great cultural fit. He did have one good team there, but he came and went. When has LSU ever hired a guy that wasn't at a mid-major? Aside from him. Well, that's true. You know, I, I feel like... I, I just let's say that Will Wade just got fired because he wasn't good, and it wasn't all of these other things that are going to hold the program back for a while. I feel like this might have been the route they went anyway. I know Woodward likes you know to cast his. Well, I think I, I think that if LSU wasn't in as much trouble as they're in, I think that Woodward would have tried. He would have tried. There you go. I'll definitely agree with you on that, um, for sure. But blue bloods, if you're the blue blood, I mean, if you're winning. Wow, you leave. Is John Calipari going to, I mean, that seat's really odd in Kentucky, man. Well, you know, there are a lot of folks who, first of all, you know, really weren't into the one and done thing. Um, and so they didn't like him because of that. And Talk about uh, folks at Kentucky? Yes. When they were winning, though, they, they didn't mind it. Well, yeah, but they didn't, you know, I mean, they were undefeated and didn't win the national championship. So I... um you know, I think Calipari's kind of a lightning rod, okay? And I think that there are a lot of fans, whether they're at, whether he's at your school or not, that look for reasons to not like him. Mm-hmm. And um, he gave him a really good reason to not like him. It's been over a decade since he won the Natty, right? Ten years? Yeah. Last yeah. time it was in New Orleans. Uh, that's where the Final Four is going to be 
this year. Kirk emails the show. Always good to hear from Kirk. He asks, is Indiana still a blue blood? Yes. They'll always be a blue blood. Now, see, I feel that way about UCLA, but you kind of looked at me like, I'm not sure. UCLA, for me, by 1980, they were no longer relevant as far as winning championships is concerned. Um, now they won one in the 90s. Yeah, but it was like they came out, it kind of came out of nowhere to do that. No, I'm, you know what? You could be right about UCLA. Part of, part of my opinion is that, so my brother-in-law's brother-in-law, he used to play basketball, went to UCLA. He's a, he's a lawyer for Yahoo. Like he is like a basketball booster. They have like he, his passion for UCLA and hearing him talk about the fan base and how they feel about it it kind of opened my eyes to how big it still is there at that school. And I think, look, Indiana, right, smaller community. You're not in a big city. You're only thinking about Hoosier hoops. So I, I kind of understand why if you look at UCLA, you, you think LA, you think of all this other stuff first. But, but, but I'm talking specifically just at that school. Basketball is still the king, and there's no second place. It's first, second, third. Football and all that stuff, that's cool. Baseball, softball, they got – basketball is, is, is the one at UCLA and always has been. Well, and, and you know, basketball in the state of Indiana well, is – I mean, it's, it's the Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're, they're just nuts. So I look up winning as college basketball teams. Number one is Kentucky. Blue. Number two is Kansas. Blue. Number three is North Carolina. Blue. Number four is Duke. Blue. Now, we're going to get away from blue. You know what number five is? Temple. Okay, but, I mean, that's, that's got to be, there's got to be a lot of records from back in the day. Um, now, Temple. No disrespect to my man, Josh. Okay, uh, 125 seasons, Kansas 123 seasons. Um and no team below Temple has played as much basketball as Temple has, okay? Six is Syracuse. Seven is UCLA. Eight is Notre Dame. Nine is St. John's. And ten is Indiana. Notre Dame. I See, like, it's Syracuse and St. John's basketball is king. I get it. But you don't think of them the same way you think about some of the other ones we've mentioned. Right. Western Kentucky, by the way, is 15. Oh, I'm sure they'll let everybody know that. Villanova is 19. UConn is 28. Gonzaga is 31. UConn. UConn hoops or Temple hoops? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Kirk says, oh, Kirk was, Kirk was just, I guess he missed the discussion we had earlier about what we said, Indiana was the biggest exception to the rule. He was asking, Indiana's not still a blue blood in that. Wait, Indiana's not still a blue blood? No, they are. They were, the team we mentioned is the biggest exception. Where, where was Michigan State on that list? I, I look, when I think Michigan State, I think, I think Magic Johnson and I think of Tom Izzo. And then I think of that team they had in 2000 that just had, you know, four pros on it that all grew up. 27, just ahead of UConn. Okay. 
but they've played four more seasons of basketball than UConn has. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening to us via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Marketing the World Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Uh, Brody Miller of The Athletic reporting, uh, Jay, that Mac McMahon's contract with LSU is for seven years, and he gains an extra year. If LSU receives a multi-year postseason ban or loses multiple scholarships, so he's got an eight-year deal with LSU. Well, I I think that they've done right by him by giving him that long of a contract, and I think he was very smart for asking for a long contract. Everybody out there, be careful today. Uh, weather's supposed to get pretty nasty. Be safe. Only get on the roads uh, if you have to. Cajuns were scheduled to play baseball tonight at Nichols State. Of course, that got moved to tomorrow because of all the weather. Uh, Jay, what what stood out to you about the Cajuns' trip to Troy over the weekend? It it became even more clear that the biggest issue with this team is the inconsistency of the pitching staff. Um. You know, Brandon Talley has kind of been the same guy every day when he, but he's about the only one you can say that about. You know, Tommy Ray's had a couple of really good outings. He's also gotten shelled early a couple of times. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson throws a masterpiece against Houston game. and then has control problems and gives up, a, you know, and, and winds up taking a loss. Um, you know, you can look at just about everybody on the pitching staff and they say, man, when they're good, they can go out and beat anybody, but they're not always good. They've been very inconsistent. And, you know, it was, you know, Saturday was, was just a crusher. Now I I do want to say this. I kind of have my own idea about teams as you go into conference play. I underestimated Troy. They are a they they're considerably better than I thought they were. Um, they got some guys who can swing it, but I'll tell you what does impress me about them is their pitching staff. They've uh, they throw strikes. Uh, they've got good stuff. Uh, they they've got a deep bullpen. You know, we saw some good arms this weekend. Never saw the closer. He didn't pitch. Um, they're better. They're better than I thought they were, and. And I thought they were pretty good, okay? I didn't think that they were, you know, second division team by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, now, they've done all their damage at home this year. They have to show that they can go on the road and win. They're 2-4 and four on the road, but like 12 or 13-1 and one at home. Um, but they're better than I thought they were. You've got to give them some credit. Saturday game was a crusher, though. Uh, yes. You have the lead late and... You know, Tally went out, jacks. and he was Tally, and Bo Bonds did a great job. He pitches uh, into the eighth inning, gives up the solo homer. They bring Chipper in, and, and, and Chipper had really good stuff. He makes one bad pitch. The guy hits it out of the ballpark. And then uh, in the ninth inning, Schultz comes in, and the fourth pitch that he throws is out of the ballpark. Walk it off. That was, that was the brutal one. Um, 
So they got Nichols uh, tomorrow, South Alabama coming to Rooster Park this weekend. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't get any easier because South Alabama, I could be wrong. Texas State may be the real deal, but until and unless somebody beats South Alabama, I think they're the gold standard for the league this year. Um, very good pitching staff, outstanding defensive team, and a team that gets a lot of timely hits. Um, you get them at home, that's a good thing. But South Alabama, I think, is the best team in the league. Cajuns need to stop being so generous with the pitching and clean that up, find consistency there. You're going to compete in conference, but conference has started. Here you go. Now, you you got 27 games left in conference. I mean, right. You're, you're, you're very, very early on, but to your and point, it's, it's clear what they got to And honestly, gotta, you're playing... Yeah. Three of the best teams in the league right off the bat with Troy, South Alabama, and Georgia Southern. You know, you don't play Coastal, who I I question how good they are. I think ULM is better than the ULM teams of the past, but I don't think they're ready to, to challenge for a championship. Arkansas State, UT Arlington, Little Rock, Georgia State, App State, you still got those teams ahead, and you're probably... Overall, better than those teams. So you still you still got plenty of time. The problem is you're opening up with nine really tough ones. But you get six of them at home, so we'll see. Midweek tomorrow in Thibodeau in a uh, big series that looms large at Russo Park this upcoming weekend against... Look at them Jaguars. Look at them Jaguars. We should have put that into the hey. Hall of Fame this week. There'll be other opportunities <laughs> The Dan Patrick Show is coming up next. Thanks to Andrew Juge and Ali Cassell uh, and, of course, to Jay Walker for coming in studio with me. Be safe today, everybody. Be safe from the storms. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, same time, same place. That was fun, Jay. Look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks a lot, man. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. And go Wolfpack!